Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Would you stand to your feet right now? We're going to dive into our sermon. Do me a favor before I do. Just go shake someone's hands real quick. Fist bump them, whatever is most appropriate. Could you do that one more time and just tell them it's so good to see you here. It's so good to see you here this morning. Thanks for coming out to Lighthouse Church, North County this morning. Thank you, Eddie. Listen, I'm not going to be long, but I do want to share a message with you that God has put in my heart. And we have been in this series here at Lighthouse called The Long Shots. What is it called? The Long Shots. So we're going to dive into that. Join me in the book of Philemon. We're going to get the scriptures up on the side screens, but we're going to go to the book of Philemon. It's one of the shortest letters, the shortest books in all of the Bible. Paul writes this letter to a gentleman by the name of Philemon, and I'm going to read a few verses there. And it reads as follows. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Listen, when Paul says in chains, he's not talking figuratively. Paul is writing this letter from a Roman jail, and he was incarcerated by Rome, and he is writing this letter to this gentleman by the name of Philemon. Formerly, Onesimus was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. For the next few moments, I want to preach to you on this thought that I am simply calling, wait till the end. Wait till the end. Let's all pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the moments that we have shared so far. We thank you, God, because we have spelt your presence. We felt your power. Your spirit is here, God. You've been moving in our hearts. We are rejoicing, Lord God, of all the things that you have done in and through Lighthouse Church in the last three years. But God, we have this expectation that our best is still to come. We have this anticipation that our better days are still ahead of us. So now, Father, we turn to your word to hear your word, Lord God, and so that it might ignite a fire in us to be doers of your word. We open up right now our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us. As you speak corporately to your body, Father, would you speak individually to every single person depositing in them 
everything that you need them to hear in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time. You may be seated. Wait until the end. How many of you appreciate a movie with an epic ending? Where are all my folks in the room that just love a movie with an epic ending? If you've been at Lighthouse Church at any point over the last three years, you know that I am a Denzel Washington fan. That's my guy. And I love his movies because so many of his movies, it's like you get to the end and it's like mind blown. I, I didn't see that coming. That's incredible. But there's sometimes we have to sit down and watch a movie on the Hallmark Channel, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? In the first two minutes, you already know the plots. You know, I mean, you just, you, you know, you know. But us wise, married, and mature men, we watch the movie anyway, don't we, men? Oh, come on. I, I give you a layup right there. Say amen louder. Amen. We, we endure until the end because we are good spouses. But, but if I'm being honest, I like a movie with an epic ending. And here in this story, we read about this slave named Onesimus, and Paul is writing to his owner, Philemon, and this story has an epic ending. So you might be wondering, why in the world are we going to talk about this today? Well, well let, let me get into this. The letter that Paul wrote to Philemon is an interesting letter. I mean, it's got no chapters. It's all verses. I mean, if, you, if your mama told you, like, you got to read a chapter today, go to Philemon, you're welcome. Okay, like you can, you can get through it fast. It's a very fast. I mean, only John wrote some shorter letters. Other than that, Paul was concise. He just hit him with it, and it was done and over. No chapters, all verses, all gas. My kind of guy. So um, in this letter, though, Paul is inserting himself into some drama between Philemon, who owned a slave by the name of Onesimus, and Onesimus ran away. And, and Paul inserts himself to try to advocate for Philemon. And on the surface, you might be wondering, why in the world would we include, of all the letters that were written, why would we include this letter in the Bible? Like, why would we pick out this letter and insert it into the Bible? But there's the gospel that I see in this story. But not just the gospel, Lighthouse Church, but I see our story in this story. I, I, I see our story in the text. So, so when Paul writes this letter, he's dealing with, I want you to catch this, he's dealing with the issue of racism. He's dealing with the issues of classism because this man named Philemon, who was a follower of Jesus, still owned slaves. And his particular slave that Paul is writing about is named Onesimus. Now, if any of you are with child, and we're looking for a name for your son. I just gave you one, Onesimus, okay? You're welcome. Everyone will say, so unique, so unique. But anyway, so in this story, you see really this injustice that's happening, and Paul's writing to this injustice. Now, what I love about all of this, and this is kind of an aside, but it's also the point, is when Jesus chose to come to earth, because he could have come, God could have sent his son at any time in history, but he sent him at the time when racism was rampant, when sexism was rampant, when classism was rampant. I mean, there was a lot of isms, and Jesus said, this is the perfect time for me to come into this world. Because what he did is he came preaching a different kingdom. Remember, Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven. Jesus would come and preach the kingdom of God. And his kingdom was a different kingdom. You see, the kingdoms of this world were all about posturing themselves up through stuff and slaves and how much they could accomplish. But what did Jesus say? 
He said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you've got to serve the least of these. Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus looked at women and he would say to them, you are equal with the men. He, what did Jesus do? He would say, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You got to understand that Jesus was the first person that steps into the scene and preaches something that no one's ever heard before. This was mind-blowing at their time. This is the real Jesus. I know maybe you've got this impression of who God is because some church that was doing it wrong told you who Jesus was. This is why you got to find out for yourself because the Jesus that we serve and the kingdom of God that we preach is a different kind of kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's not made with the hands of man, but it's made by the hands of God. And he says, you're all equal in my eyes. And so now Paul is carrying that message and he starts to, he starts to come into contact with this runaway slave, now a fugitive by the name of Onesimus. Because when you were a slave, you couldn't just run away. Now, now, were you, now, you weren't just a, now you weren't just a former slave, but now you're also a fugitive. And, and, and that's what makes this letter so interesting. But I want you to dive in. I want to dive into this so that I can show you exactly what I mean when I say this is our story. Because the name Onesimus, if you look at the definition of the name Onesimus, Onesimus means one who is useful. That's the meaning of his name. One who is useful. But, but let's read verse 11 together. Let's get them on the screen one more time. This is what Paul says to Philemon about Onesimus. Formerly... He was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Do you guys see the irony there? His name is useful, but Paul says when he was with you, he was useless. When, when, when he was with you, he wasn't living up to his namesake, also meaning he wasn't living up to his potential. You guys ever seen those Snickers commercials where, where someone gets really cranky because they're hungry and then they eat a Snickers and then the commercial says, you're not you when you're hungry. You guys know what I'm talking about or am I the only one that watches the Snickers commercial? Snickers, by the way, as an aside, is my favorite candy bar. If you ever wanted to bless your pastor's life, Snickers, okay? What I love about it is my kids don't like it. It makes it even better because they never have to worry about them stealing it. But listen, just like in those commercials that you're not you when you're not hungry, can I tell you that you're not you when you're far from God? Okay, can I just insert into this audience right now that you're not you when you're far from God. You're not you when you're far from his presence because here's the deal. God says, the word of God tells us that you have been wonderfully and fearfully made. He created you on purpose for a purpose. You're not here on earth on accident, but you are here by divine design and you are the apple of God's eye and you are not here by accident but you'll never know why you are here as long as you are far from God. And Onesimus was useless, even though his name says he's supposed to be useful because he didn't know God. He had not yet come to the faith. Now, can I compound this just a little bit? Here's what's crazy about Philemon. Philemon must have been a wealthy man because we read in the Bible that the church the Colossian church, you know, there's a letter in the Bible called Colossians. That's because it was a church at Colossae. They met in his house. Let me read it to you. Philemon 1 and 2. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And listen to what it says here. And to the church 
that meets in your home. Think about that for a second. Philemon, not only was he serving Jesus, but the church was meeting in his house. I mean, this guy had proximity. And think about this for a second. Onesimus is in the house where there's just church happening, and he still is useless. This is why we as a church, it is our mission. And the first of our four points here, we want for people to know God. We, we want for people to know God because we believe that as long as people are far from God, they're never going to live up to the potential that God has created for them. So we are on this mission for people to know God. And Paul starts saying to Philemon, Philemon, I got great news for you. You're one runaway, you're runaway slave. He knows God now. He, he serves God now. He's been a great helper to me even while I'm here in prison. Philemon, Onesimus has come to the faith. Can someone say, no, God? And this is what Paul, this is what prompted Paul to write to Philemon. But it doesn't stop there. Let's, let's go to Philemon verse 18 now. So now that Onesimus knows God, Paul says this to Philemon. If Onesimus has done you any wrong or if he owes you anything, I want you to charge it to me. I don't know why Paul was writing this from jail. He must have had an estate offshore or something because you're like, wait, how, how am I going to collect on this? You're in jail. But whatever it was, I don't know if it was Paul's clout, you know what I'm saying, his, his reputation. But Paul says, listen, if Onesimus, when I send them back to you, if he owes you anything, I want you to charge it to me. And this is what Paul was saying. I am going to pay for that man's debt or what we call here at Lighthouse Church, we want him to find freedom. We, we, we want him to find freedom. And, and, and Paul is telling them, listen, Onesimus is already free with me, but I've got to give him back to you because that's the right thing to do in order for you to reconcile with him. But when I send him back to you, I would love for you to also allow him to experience the same freedom that you and I are experiencing. I would love for him to experience the same freedom that you and I are living. And this is why Lighthouse Church, we tell you, we want you inviting your friends Invite your family, invite your crazy cousin, the one you have to put up with at the family get-together. They're crazy because they need Jesus. Bring him because we want them to know God, but more importantly, we want them to find freedom. What I love about the story that we heard earlier from George is I remember when George sent us a message on social media saying that he just needed to talk to someone. And when I see the journey that George has been on, it really, really grips my heart. And I want to tell you, Lighthouse Church, that that's just one George. But there are hundreds of thousands of Georges here that we have got to reach and they have got to experience the same life-changing power that George has experienced. But we got to bring people to this place where they know God so that they can find freedom. You know, I think about our mission as a church, and I'm going to preach about all of them in just a second. But people sometimes will ask me, well, Pastor Josh, what's your mission? What's your vision? I'm like, I don't know if I get to say what my mission and my vision is. It's kind of handed to me by Jesus. Jesus said, go and what? Make disciples. So what's our mission? To go and make disciples. That's all we do. That's all we do. And in that process, first, we need for people to know God. And second, we need for people to experience the true freedom of Christ. Now, it doesn't stop there. Paul is asking all kinds of things. Let's go to verses 15 through 16. Paul says this now to Philemon. Perhaps the reason Onesimus was separated from you for a little while was so that you could have him back forever. Somebody say forever. forever. 
no longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. And so what Paul is saying to him, he was saying, Philemon, I need you to not just receive him back as a slave. I am asking you to bring him back as a brother, as your peer, as your equal. What he was in essence saying is, Philemon, you and I, we know that our primary identity is sons of God. And I want for, I want for Onesimus to now have that same sort of acceptance to be a son of God. Somebody say a son. son. Somebody say a daughter. daughter. How many of you know that's our primary identity here at Lighthouse Church? I said, how many of you know that's your primary identity? That's why we call our, our men and our women at Lighthouse Church sons and daughters because before we were anything else, we we're sons and daughters. Before I'm even a husband, I'm a son of God. Before I'm a father, I'm a son of God. Before I'm a pastor, I'm a son of God. What's my primary identity? Sonship. Sonship is my primary identity. You are a daughter. That's your primary identity. Be, you're, the best thing you can do for your marriage is to be a daughter of God. The best thing you can do for your marriage is to be a son of God. You do that. You'll do well by your family to accept and know and embrace and live out your primary identity. But the reason I say all of that is in order to be restored as a brother, in order for him to experience sonship, what we're really talking about is maturity. Somebody say maturity. I heard this from a great pastor. He says this, sons reflect the glory of the father. Sons reflect the glory of the father. Here's the deal. I have children, but I also have a young guy here who's 12 years old who's transitioning from child to son. You know there's a difference, right? When a child acts like a child, it's okay because they're a child. But when an adult acts like a child, it's disgusting. You know what I'm talking about? It's like when an adult acts like a child, it's like, dude, grow up. Are you serious right now? And, and, and so there's this process of maturity that happens. And I'm starting to see it with my son, Jaden, because my son, Jaden, is 12 years old. He's now preteen. Pray for your pastor in the name of Jesus. Please intercede. <laughs> and, 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 what, and, and because now at his age, I see him now serving on the dream team. I see him serving here at the church. What is he beginning to do now? He's beginning to reflect what my wife and I have put on the inside of him. That's the difference of sonship. You begin to reflect the glory of your father. When they're kids, my son Jackson, my son Jude, there's no expectation for them to reflect mom and dad yet. I'm just happy when they come home and they have a good mark from their teacher. It's gotta be purple, blue, or green. You know what I'm saying? All the parents in the room, you know what I'm talking about. All the older parents are like, what is he talking about? That's all I expect out of them. Just be good. But, but my son here, I expect him to now begin to reflect the glory of his father the same way I reflect the glory of my heavenly father. What are you saying with all this, Pastor Josh? The third thing that we want for people is we want for people to discover their purpose. Because when I see my son serving, I see him reflecting the heart of his father. When I see my son doing, when I see him using his gifts and talents, he is now reflecting the glory of his father. And, and when you are out at work, listen to me, men and women here at Lighthouse Church, when you are out at work, you are not just collecting the paycheck. You are reflecting. You are the image bearer of God. People are going to encounter God through you before they encounter God. So I hope you're representing him well. I hope you're making a good impression. I hope you are making a good image. Sometimes people don't want to come to church because there's too many Christians in the church. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but the thing is, sometimes they've had negative experiences. But we have got to reflect the image of our Father. 
That's what true sonship is. And when you know, when you discover your purpose, when you know what God has called you to do, you ain't got time to mess around and play games and do foolish things. When you know your purpose, you're too busy doing the will of God and too busy doing the purpose of God to be caught up in trivial things. When you know your purpose, you don't have time to deal with silly things. When you know your purpose, you ain't got time to mess with drugs. You ain't got time to cheat on your spouse. You ain't got time to be messing around with any of that stuff because you know your worth. And, and, and Paul was saying, Philemon, restore him. Reconcile with Onesimus. And I'm coming to a close if I get the worship team ready. He's saying to him, I want you to reconcile with him. Help him. He's been helpful to me. And, and Paul even said this, I would have loved to have kept him here with me. But the right thing for me to do is to send him back to you so that you can reconcile with him and to restore him. Now, when Paul is done writing his letter to Philemon, it's done in the Bible. But what's crazy is you're not left with any answers. What happens next? I don't know. Did Philemon listen to him? I don't know. Did, what happened to Onesimus? I don't know. There's nothing in the Bible that tells me what happened with Onesimus. We're left with more questions than we have answers in the Bible. But here's the thing, and we teach this here at the Lighthouse Leadership College. Not every letter that was written at the time of the Bible is included in the Bible. There were letters written by early church fathers. Who are the early church fathers? Let me teach you. Early church fathers are the disciples of the disciples. So Peter discipled people. The people underneath Peter, those are the early church fathers. Paul discipled Timothy. Timothy would become the early church father. So we have all of these letters from the early church fathers that did not get included in the Bible, but they do give us an accurate historical account of things that happened after the disciples finished writing. And so we have these letters that we can turn to. Now I say all that because we come across a letter from Bishop Ignatius. The Catholic Church would make him Saint Ignatius for those of you with a Catholic background. You know who I'm talking about. And Bishop Ignatius was the bishop over the church in Antioch. In the book of Acts chapter 12, there was a thriving church that was called the Church of Antioch. And the Church of Antioch is where people, Jesus followers, were first called Christians. You see, there was liberty in the Church of Antioch that the church in Jerusalem didn't experience. The church in Jerusalem was under intense persecution. They were an underground church. They were like the church in China. Everything was underground. And, and, but the church in Antioch, where they lived, there was enough religious freedom for them to have church kind of like how we have church. There was freedom to worship. There was liberty. And so the church at Antioch blew up, as the young kids say. You know what I mean? Like, they went viral. You know, they, 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 they just were blowing up. And, and much of the movement that happened in the early church, when I'm talking about the funding of missionaries, the money to grow the church, the leadership, the development of the church, it came out of Antioch. And there was the bishop of Antioch, Bishop Ignatius, and he wrote a letter to the bishop at Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is the church that Paul started. Somebody say Paul, Paul. who's writing this letter. Paul started the church of Ephesus. Paul was, the, the church at Ephesus was Paul's, like, pride. He, he was just so full of joy for the church of Ephesus. It's a beautiful church. One of the, one of the pillar churches in, in, in back at the time of the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you go to the book of Revelation, John the Revelator would talk about the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus was the mother church and there were six other churches that came out from underneath them. But, but Ephesus, that was much like Antioch. Ephesus was the big church. And after Paul 
was incarcerated, he puts Timothy in charge of the church at Ephesus. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, because Timothy's now the pastor at the church of Ephesus. Timothy's a young man, but he was discipled by Paul, and Paul left him in charge of the church at Ephesus. After Paul has died and Timothy is now leading the church, right around 79 AD, there was a big procession in Ephesus where they were worshiping the pagan goddess Diana offering sacrifices for the pagan goddess Diana. Well, Timothy would begin to preach out against that. Timothy wasn't silent. Timothy began to preach against idol worship. Timothy began to preach against idolatry. Timothy began to preach against the sacrifices that they were offering for the goddess Diana. The only problem was there wasn't enough freedom in Ephesus. And Paul, I'm sorry, Timothy was dragged into the streets of Ephesus where they stoned him and they killed Timothy. Now the church at Ephesus was in need of a new pastor. They were in need of a new leader. And the church needed someone to carry on the mantle. Well, who would carry on the leadership of the church in Ephesus? We find out by reading the letters of Bishop Ignatius. And Bishop Ignatius of Antioch writes a letter to the Bishop of Ephesus. And that letter was addressed to Bishop Onesimus. Bishop Onesimus. The same young man that was a fugitive. The same young man that prior to that was a slave. The same young man that was useless. The same young man that had lost his identity. Somehow, after being restored by Paul. Somehow, after being restored by Philemon. Somehow, after being restored by the church at Colossae. He would go on to be the bishop of Ephesus. Because here's what we know. Your failure is never final. And who you are far from God is not who you are when you are with God. I believe that your best days are still ahead of you and you might feel like I don't know what my purpose is let me tell you you're not alone get a hold of God get a hold of the Holy Spirit get a hold of his unchanging promises and he's going to create something beautiful in your life he has the ability to give you beauty for ashes he has the ability to turn your mourning into dancing he has the ability to turn your sorrow into joy but you gotta go to God you gotta go to God. You can't even come to the church and not go to God. I'm glad you're here, but I'm, I'm more excited for you to go to God. Let's all stand to our feet right now. Listen to me, Lighthouse Church. This is what happens. Onesimus, finally, after he knew God, after he found freedom, after he discovered his purpose, he decided, I'm going to make a difference. And even though they just killed the pastor in Ephesus, Onesimus said, I'll go to, I'll go to Ephesus and I'll pastor the church. I know that the climate's not good, but the church needs a champion. The church needs a pastor. And I'm willing to go and put myself in harm's way. Why? Because he had a life-changing encounter with God. Lighthouse Church, I am telling you, I am telling you, Lighthouse Church, here at our three-year anniversary, I pray, may we never lose the wonder of seeing lives changed. May we never lose the wonder of seeing marriages restored. May we never lose the wonder of seeing children come back home. May we never lose the wonder of seeing addiction broken. May we never see the, ever lose the wonder of seeing people baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you. I appreciate Georgia's story. I celebrate with Jay and with Adi. 
but there are more people that need the gospel. There are more people that need to know the love of Christ. There are more people that need to know him. And so as much as Paul is talking to Philemon, he's talking to me. And he's talking to you if you'll receive it this morning. I believe that there are churches that are going to come out of Lighthouse Church. One of the reasons we started the Lighthouse College and people ask, what are you doing with the college? I said, I believe one of these days there's going to be churches and pastors and ministries and kingdom-minded businesses and kingdom-minded initiatives. I believe that's all going to come out of Lighthouse Church. You're only three years old. I get all of that. But I believe that God is not a respecter of our age. He respects our faith. Because I've seen a lot of churches, they might be 60 years old, but they ain't got no faith. Jesus looks down and says, give me a church with a little bit of faith. I don't care if you're only three years old. If you've got faith, I can use that. If you got a heart for people, I can use that. If you've got a heart for transformation, I can use that. If you've got a heart for life change, I can use that. So Lighthouse, if you're ready to receive that, and if you want to walk in that same grace, and walk in that same anointing. Let's lift our hands towards heaven. Let's talk to our Heavenly Father right now. Let's just have a conversation with Him. Father, we thank you for all that you've done, but we know that you're not done. Father, we are so excited, God, for what's already happened, but we are not satisfied. Better days are still ahead. Greater days are still ahead. We know, Lord Jesus, that the ending is going to be better than the beginning. The wine is only going to get better. We believe you're doing it, Father. We praise you. We worship you. Come on, let's worship you together, Lighthouse. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.